G'day, g'day, you beauties. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Mine was full of food, friends, and food poisoning. Yep. My stomach feels like it went two rounds in the ring with a lion, and I was the meat. Like I'd walked the tightrope and had fallen off, suspended by my suspenders. Like, well, you get what I mean. Basically sick, tired, and exhausted. But this doesn't mean I can't bring you a classic set of two crime classics, each with their own unique challenges. By that I mean audio challenges, you know, pops, clicks, and skips. These are old-time ready episodes that are heavily damaged, but conversely heavily repaired by me. They are by no means perfect, and sometimes the damage is very severe, but I am passionate about repairing these vintage audio relics. With this particular series though, seeing its origins start on June 15th, 1953. True crime cases with names altered and their stories reenacted. Now, I'm going to cut my intro short so that I can properly rest. So my thank yous will return to normal next Monday. I am deeply, deeply sorry, but I'm still on the mend despite standing fine. I assure you, I still feel like a stretched out tire. And in saying that, I just want to welcome two Patreon supporters, Just Heather and Portia Williams. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon El Grey crew. And I'll give you a proper shout out next Monday, I promise you. Now sit back, turn the radio up, and enjoy both your remastered audio episodes. And I'll catch you feeling much better next week. Cheers, you lovely mates. And have a wonderful weekend ahead. Catch ya. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, this is the story of your police force in action. Dragnet. It was Tuesday, March 25th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. Detectives in Los Angeles work in pairs. My partner's Ben Romero. He's a sergeant, so am I. My name's Friday. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. I was on the way back from the record bureau, and it was 13 minutes past 11 when I got to room 42. Homicide. That's a hot shot. Somebody grab it. I got it, Ed. At one, two, four, five, East Doheny Street, two officers shot. At one, two, four, five, East Doheny Street, two officers shot. What have you got, Friday? Read it. Two officers shot. Where's Romero? Right here, Skewer. Okay, you've got one to roll on. Get going! Both Ben and I knew where we were heading. We'd recognized the address. It was the Trapdoor Cafe, a joint in the south end of town that did business with a pretty rough crowd. Thirteen minutes later, we pulled up in front. Two patrolmen had the crowd pretty well pushed back. There was a cruiser car in front of the cafe. The car door was open, and an officer was sprawled across the seat. He was conscious but weak, and one of his pant legs was pretty red. Hello, Sergeant. Hi. How you doing? I've done better. Yeah, well, what happened? Williams and I were cruising. We've been keeping an eye on this cafe lately. Tonight we decided to take a look. 
And just as we went in, two guys left in a hurry. The back door. We followed them out into the alley. It's dark out there, and I called to them. I said, hey, fellas, just a minute, I want to talk to you. They stopped? I'll say. One of them whirled. He had a gun in his left hand. He shot both of us. Left hand, huh? Williams went down and out. I went down, but I took a shot at him. No effect. And I started crawling out here to the car so I could call in. You started crawling? Yeah. Wait a minute, Emerson. Weren't there any people around by that time? Oh, yeah. Quite a few ran out at the shots. You mean nobody would help you to the car? That's right. Did you get a good look at either of the gunmen? Well, one of them was tall. I think he was a redhead. There was something funny about his nose. That's all I saw. It's too dark out there. Williams was closer. I think he got a good look. Sure, the other officer, Williams, he's in pretty bad shape. Is he breathing? He's still alive, Emerson. I don't know how much time he's got. Ambulance? On the way. Okay, let's round up all the men who are in the cafe. We're taking them in. We took all the men back to the city hall. There were 23 in the Trapdoor Cafe at the time of the shooting. We questioned all of them. One of them said there had been a redhead in the place, but he couldn't describe him. Ben and I left the interrogation room, and we went back to the squad room. Friday, Romero. Wait a minute. Yeah, Ed. Come on, Ben. Mm. Sit down. Okay. You get anything from those people you questioned? Nothing we could use. Mm. How's Williams? Pretty bad. When do they operate? As soon as he comes out of shot. Probably in the morning. You boys will be there. Yeah, we will. When the surgeon digs that slug out, get it and mark it for evidence. Yeah. Skipper, them two men shot without asking any questions. They must be hot. Yeah. Same thing occurred to me. When we get that slug, the ballistics can tell us whether that gun's been used on other jobs. We got enough of their modus operandi to have the statistician give us a run through on the IBM now. One of them is left handed and he shoots quick. Okay, be in surgery tomorrow morning at nine. <laughs> Neither Ben or I said much on the way home, but we were both thinking the same thing. I knew the chief was thinking it, too. Here were two men who'd shot a couple of police officers without asking any questions. Now, I suppose you've heard a lot of stories about what the force thinks of cop killers. Sure, we don't like to lose our friends and partners any better than anybody else would. Why not figure it this way? If these two guys would gun a couple of armed police officers, do you think they'd hesitate to shoot you, the unarmed citizen? The next morning at 9 o'clock, Ben and I had scrubbed up and we were in surgery. Williams was on the table. The surgeon started in. A lot of minutes later, he got the slug. As for Williams... They took out seven feet of his intestine and said he might pull through. Joe, here's the report from ballistics. Slug they took out of Williams come from a 44 Smith & Wesson. The same gun was used in a liquor store killing about a month ago. You call the statistician? Yeah, uh-huh. She's running all the cards on previous shooting through the IBM machine. She ought to be through about now. Let's take a look. Okay. Hi, Helen. Two seconds. Okay. Well, that's it, boys. This card will give you all the shootings pulled by two men on foot who shot quick, one of them left-handed. Right. They're all yours. You sure can tell a lot from just a bunch of little holes in these cars, can you? Hmm. 
I can't, but this IBM machine can. Never ceases to amaze me. Okay, please check the cards out. Huh? Yeah, sure, sure. Wait a minute, Ben. Here we are. Huh? Yeah. Here's that liquor store killing ballistics tied the Smith & Wesson in on. Same gun that Emerson Williams is shot with? It checks out. The liquor store was in the same neighborhood as the Trapdoor Cafe. Same gun, huh? Got to be. How long ago? A month ago, yeah. Ben, take the DR number off this card and let's pull the crime report on that job. We pulled the crime report out of the files. It said that there was only one witness to that liquor store killing a month ago. That witness was a woman. Miss Forbes, sorry to disturb you like this, but we'd like to ask some questions about that liquor store killing you witness a little over a month ago. Well, I told the police everything I knew about it then. Yeah, we know, but maybe you wouldn't mind telling us again, huh? Oh. Well, I guess not. I've, I've been trying to forget it to tell the truth. Terrible. I really didn't see so very much because I was awful scared. I understand. But try to describe again just what happened, will you? Well, it was about 10 o'clock at night. I was walking down the street toward home when I re- realized I was all out of cigarettes. Well, I was right in front of the liquor store then, so I went in. The clerk was behind the counter, and there were two men standing there arguing. What's the idea of changing your mind? I thought we was going to get bourbon. No, let's get the wine. I want bourbon. Gosh, too much. Wine's good enough. The rest of them want bourbon, too. We better talk. Well, okay. We'll be back when we make up our mind, mister. Two men walked out of the store, and the clerk smiled at me and shrugged his shoulders. I bought a pack of cigarettes and turned to leave. Just then, the two men came back in again, and each of them had a gun in his hand. This is stick-up, mister. The clerk just got a crumpled at the floor. I couldn't believe my eyes, but that's just how it happened. The men said this is a stick-up, and then they shot him right away. Get over against the wall, lady, or you'll get the same. One of them punched a no-stare on the cash register. I was shaking, so I almost caved in. He scooped the money out of the drawer and stuffed it into his pocket. And then... And the other one went over to where the liquor clerk was lying, face down. He knelt down beside the clerk and put his gun against the clerk's thigh. And they both ran out of the store. It was a terrible clerk. He was lying there, helpless, and wounded me. Delivered Yeah, me. Miss Forbes, I understand. Oh, uh, Miss Forbes, uh, you said that both of the men had guns. Yeah. One of the guns was black, and the other was sort of, sort of fancy looking. What do you mean, Miss Forbes? Well, it was real shiny. Nickel plated? I didn't know about that, but it was shiny. There were two guns, huh? Yes. Yeah. Well, now about the men themselves. I was so scared their faces just didn't register with me. The one who, when he shot the clerk in the back was sort of stocky. That's the best I can do. But you mentioned in the report that one of the men was left-handed. Yes, I do remember that. Uh-huh. Look, Miss Forbes, this is very important to us. One of the men was a redhead? Redhead? I know, I didn't see any redhead. Skipper, me and Joe's run right smack into a stone wall on this thing. What's the complication? Well, there's more than one, Ed. In the first place, we know that the 44 Smith & Wesson was used in both shootings. But the descriptions of the men involved don't check. Police officer Emerson said he thought the man that, uh, uh, that shot him and Williams outside the trapdoor cafe was a tall, left-handed redhead. Said there's something funny about his nose. You think Williams got a better look at him? Probably did, but Williams isn't strong enough to talk yet. And the girl that witnessed the liquor store killing a month ago said that one of those men was left-handed. 
But she said neither of them was ready. Well, on top of all that, now we've got two guns to worry about. The girl mentioned two guns, so we checked the autopsy report on that liquor clerk. And Ed, the bullet that actually killed him came from a thirty-two twenty, not a forty-four Smith & Wesson. That fact didn't get any publicity at the time, did it? No, it didn't. Okay. We won't give it any publicity now, either. You're allowed down. It's just the forty-four Smith & Wesson we're after. Because if whoever owns the thirty-two twenty finds out it's hot, we'll never get it. Anything else? Well, we sent teletypes to all outlaying stations in neighboring cities. Told them if they get any red-headed suspects, no matter what charge they got them on, to hold them for questioning. Yeah. Now, how about this thirty-two twenty, the actual murder weapon? Any leads on it? We've got one, Ed. We've been checking the records, and we discovered that four hours after the liquor store killing, a taxi driver in the neighborhood was shot and robbed. Blood was pretty well mashed, but there was enough to tell it was from a thirty-two twenty. So we're going over to question the taxi driver now. Good. Well, I think you boys are on the right trail. So far, what we've got is mostly unrelated facts, but sooner or later, those facts have all got to tie in at some point along the line. Find that point. Yeah, find the point. Find the tie-in. Well, Ben and I went over to see the taxi driver, a guy who was living on borrowed time. Yeah, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning when it happened. I got a call to pick up a fare near 105th and Avalon, you know. Well, I got there, somebody came over, pulled up my cap door and said, This is Sticker. Don't blow it, you let me have it. Just like that, huh? Yeah, just like that. Same deal as others, Joe. It's your trigger for me. Yeah. Did you get any kind of a look at the fellow? No, no. It's too dark. Uh-huh. Hey, um, according to the report, you got shot in the chest. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you're maybe wondering how come I'm still alive. Huh? I'll tell you, pal, it's like something you see in a bad movie, you know? Yeah. I'm carrying a few silver dollars with me. Nine of them, to be exact. So I decided to stick them in my breast pocket. Well, mister, that just saved my life. The slug hit them silver dollars. One for the book, huh? Yeah, you said it. Well, thanks very much. Say, incidentally, we had a little trouble finding you today. You weren't at the stand you operated out of last month. Oh, look, look, uh, I'm not only not at my usual stand, I'm not driving a hack no more. Oh. Look, after what happened, are you kidding? No, I don't want to push my luck any further than it's been pushed. Yeah, I figure I had it, you know? <laughs> And about that time, Ben and I were beginning to figure we'd had it. We were getting nowhere fast. We had a few informants nosing around, but so far they hadn't come up with any leads. Well, Ben and I followed up all the teletypes that poured in. We just got back from Santa Ana, where we'd been questioning a red-headed suspect, and we'd flopped in the squad room when Chief Backstrand's door opened. Friday, Romero. Got a minute? Yes, yeah, Kim. Any luck with the Santa Ana redheads? No, none at all. Maybe you haven't heard the latest. We just now got back in town, sir. Early this morning, another cab driver got shot. What? Yeah. Man came up to his taxi, opened the door, said, This is a stick-up, and shot him. Well, it went through one leg and into the other, but the driver managed to start his cab and drove over to a cafe, called in from there. Uh, boys recovered the slug? Yeah. It came from the same 44 Smith & Wesson that was used in the other two jobs. The cab driver get a look at the gunman? Yeah, briefly. Was it the redhead? No. Well, the stocky guy. He wasn't redheaded and he wasn't stocky. Roll the driver note. That's great. Skipper, this is beginning to sound like a gun of a month club. You reckon somebody's renting them guns out? Well, they're passing the guns around all right, but I think they're working together the way they operate in the good state. Yeah, the trigger happy routine. Killing is apparently more than a business to them. It's pleasure, too. That's why we've got to get to them fast. Come over here. All right. Here. Take a look at this map. Uh-huh. 
Here's the trapdoor cafe. And over here's the liquor store. Down here is where the first cab driver got shot. Mm-hmm. Right here's where the second one got it. All of the shootings have taken place within an area of ten square blocks. Okay. Tonight we're going to throw a blockade around that whole area. Good. It'll go into effect at 10 p.m. At 9.45 p.m., cars and officers started drifting into the area by twos and threes. At a 10, when Backstrand, Ben, and I arrived, the whole area was sewed up tighter than a tech. It's now three. This is Ambulance. Davis, catch me. All set. All set. We got a primary line and a secondary line. If anyone tries to make a break, we'll pick him up in the secondary. Okay. Friday and Romero here will cruise around the area with me. Go to work, man. Every car in the area was shaken down. The same process was also followed on all persons on foot. The blockade went on all night. By the end of that time, we'd brought in 217 suspects. 26 of them were redheads. What's your name? Henry Wagner. Where do you work? Lumber, yeah. Which one? First time. What time did you get to work last night? About six, I guess. What'd you do then? At some um, dinner. Where? Uh, Harry's grill. Then what? Shot a little pool. Look, I tell you, I ain't done nothing. Now, uh, let's go back to the day before yet. And that's the way it went all day long. We shot question after question at them, working them gradually back to the days on which the shootings had taken place. When it was all over, we got six men wanted in other cities on various charges. We got quite an assortment of guns and knives. As far as the shootings were concerned, got enough. Well, I guess it's like... Oh, we'll run out of questions there at the end. You two boys better go on home to some sleep. Well, that's some might have overlooked sleep. I said go on home. You two boys have been at it for 32 hours straight. Look at you. Both so groggy can hardly stand up. You need sleep. It's, uh, 4 p.m. now. Don't come back until 10 p.m. <laughs> When I walked into the squad room at 10, Ben was already there. An informant had just phoned in a new lead. He told Ben he'd heard about a gang that had been hanging out down around the DeVere bungalow court in the south end of town. We knew that the DeVere was close to the trapdoor cafe, so we went over to talk to the manager. Joe, I've been meaning to ask you. Uh, you checked on how Williams was getting along? Yeah, I did. I called the hospital this afternoon. going to be all right. Oh, that's fine. Here we are. Yeah, manager's open. Still got a line on. Yeah? I'm Sergeant Friday. Police, this is Sergeant Romero. Yeah? We'd like a little information. Sure, come here. Thanks. What can I do for you? Well, did you hear anything about a gang that hangs out down around here anywhere? Gang? Well, no. How about your tenants here? Any of them ever been in trouble, to your knowledge? No. It ain't exactly the best neighborhood in town, but we try to keep things under control. Once in a while, one of them will get out of line, but when that happens, we heave them out of here. You heaved anybody out lately? Yeah, I did. Fellow and his wife a few weeks ago. They had a fight in one of the bungalows. She took a shot at him, but she missed. Party by the name of Stuba, Carl Stuba. What did this Stuba look like? Oh, sort of tall, skinny. Was he a redhead? No. Now, we'd like to take a look at that bungalow that he lived in. Sure, sure. Help yourself. Down the end there, number five. Still vacant. Well, that does it. Stuba didn't leave a thing behind. 
Matter of fact, we don't have anything to prove that this stube is tied in at all. We're only working on a hunch. Hey, Joe, look. Where? Up on the wall there. Just for the window. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that plaster there. It's newer than the rest. You got a knife? Uh, sure have, boy, and I'm caught. That manager'd be awful unhappy with me if he was here. Yeah, he would. Yeah, it must. Hey, Joe, here it is. A slug. They plastered right over. Okay, take it out and let's hope it matches. It matched. The slug from the wall came from the same 44 Smith & Wesson that had been used in the other shootings. So now we had a name to work on, Carl Stuba. But he'd done a good job of dropping out of sight. Well, the next day, Ben thought he had another lead. Just been talking to another informant, Joe. He says he heard that there's a fellow down in that neighborhood been trying to sell a gun lately. What kind of a gun? Nickel plate with a spear horn handle. Nickel plate. Maybe that's our 44 Smith & Wesson. Maybe. Did the informant know who this man was? Said the fellow's name was Alonzo. Alonzo who? Yes, Alonzo. That's all he knew. So now we had two names, Stuba and Alonzo, but no men to go with them. So we went back to making the rounds of the substations, interviewing red-headed suspects. We took a few of them to Williams, who was home from the hospital by now, but he couldn't identify any of them as the man who shot him. Still, we kept checking. Finally, we got around to the 77th Street station. We questioned the suspects they were holding there, and we just started to leave when one of the officers called us. Hey, Sarge, yeah. we're holding somebody else you might want to look at. Redhead? No. What's the choice? Suspicion of burglary? Small job. Oh, I don't know. What do you think, Ben? What's special about him? He lives in the same neighborhood where those shootings took place. All right. Where you got him? Down here. You admit anything? No. He's pretty surly. Here we are. Thanks. Hi. What do you want? I'm Sergeant Friday. This is Sergeant Romero. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Look, I already told the other cops all I know. I didn't steal my radio from that jerk. What's your name? We've been through all that one. Come on, what's your name? Jackson. Alonzo Jackson. Alonzo. I looked at Ben and Ben looked at me. This could be the Alonzo who'd been trying to peddle that Smith & Wesson. Ben and I both knew here was one suspect we'd have to be real careful with. Alonzo, uh, according to the records, this burglary you're suspected of took place on the night of the 27th. Look, how many times do I have to tell you guys they didn't have anything to do with it? You got an alibi for that night? Sure, I got an alibi. I was out with a couple of friends, I can tell you. What's your friend's name, Alonzo? One of them's Cranley of the Stuba. Stuba, the guy who used to live in the bungalow court. But well, we told Alonzo he'd have to produce his two friends to give him an alibi for the burglary charge, and he bit. He went with us, and he pointed out where Stuba was living now. No one hadn't been able to find him. It was a little shack at the back of a lot by two houses. We thought it was a chicken first. We took Alonzo back to the station, and we picked up Stuba. He was surprised to see us and not very happy. We took him in. Next, Alonzo gave us Crandall's address. Yeah? Mr. Cranlin? No. Will he be back soon? I don't know. Who are you? Sergeant Friday, Sergeant Romero, police. What do you want with him? Oh, nothing important, lady. We just wanted him as a witness. Oh. Well, I don't know just when he'll be back. Probably an hour or two. Okay, thanks. We went down the street away, and we staked out in the car. We sat there for about... 
Five hours, and then Ben nudged me in the ribs. Uh, Joe, huh? Joe, take a look. Coming along the sidewalk. Yeah, but he's got red hair. Come on. Crandall. Huh? Your name Crandall? Oh, you? Friday Romero, police. Police? With me? I, I haven't done nothing. Well, then you've got nothing in the world to worry about. Come on. We questioned Crandall for an hour, but he wouldn't give an inch, denied everything. Then we put him in a car and we drove over to Officer Williams' house. I left Ben in the living room with Crandall while I went in Williams' bedroom. Oh, hi. Hi, Williams. How are you doing? Yeah. A little better, honey. It's fine. Look, we've got another redhead outside. Bring him in. Okay. All right, Crandall, come on in here. Who's in there? Why'd you bring me over here? Come on in here. It's the guy. No, that's the guy. No, yeah. I. It, it was an accident. I mean, to shoot him, it was an accident. Once Crandall got started, he talked his head off. He also admitted being in on the liquor store killing, but insisted he was only the lookout. We took him back to the station and got his whole story down on a tape recorder. Yeah, he was left-handed. Then we went back to Alonzo and know we had Crandall's confession. We met the chief in the hall outside the room where they were holding Alonzo. About ready to tie them up? Oh, hope so, too. But Alonzo hasn't given any yet. And we still haven't found those guns. We've got one of them. Which one? Smith and Wesson. Stuba popped about that one ten minutes ago. Could he left it with his girl. But the boys are on their way over to get it now. That's good, Ed. That leaves just the 3220. You haven't mentioned the 3220 to Alonzo, have you? No. He still thinks we're after that Smith and Wesson, and that's the way we're going to play it right now. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Look, how much longer are you guys going to hold me here? Didn't you check with those friends of mine? Well, so we got a tip that you've been trying to sell a gun lately. A gun? Yeah, 44 Smith & Wesson. Ah. Oh. Now, it's not true. That Smith & Wesson's been using a couple of robbery jobs this month, and we think it's your gun. That's a lie. Any proof of that? Wait, yeah. Sure, I got proof of that. Uh, I used to have a gun, but it wasn't a Smith & Wesson. If I tell you where it is, that ought to convince you, shouldn't it? It'll help things. Okay. I sold it to a neighbor of mine. He gave me seven bucks. I'll give you his address. You sure it's not a Smith and West? Sure, I'm sure. It's a 3220. Yeah, it worked. We went to the neighbor's address, and he admitted having bought the 3220, but said he'd lent it to a friend who'd never returned it. The friend had hocked the gun to a barber. The barber gave him 15 bucks and a haircut for it. We finally got it from the barber, and we came back to the station. I'm all set, Joe. I'll be in the next room. Just give me the nod. Okay. Hello, Alonzo. Hey, you got the gun. Yeah, we got the gun. Well, now maybe you'll believe I'm on the level. Okay, if I go now? I guess we won't be able to hold you here much longer. You can say that again, brother. You could have saved a lot of time for you to listen to what I've been trying to tell you all along. I guess you're right, Alonzo. Sure, I'm right. You know, you guys would be a lot better off you believe guys like me the first time we tell you something. Instead of running. I was only a lookout. I was outside. It was the other two. Well, that one, Stuba and Alonzo. Alonzo killed the clerk. Hold it, Alonzo. All right, Alonzo, that's enough. Come on, how about it? This thing is... All right. It's like you said. Okay, Ben, bring the recorder in here. 
Alonzo's ready to make a record now. By playing back Crandall's statement that we'd recorded earlier, we got a full confession from Alonzo. We took the three of them out and had them reenact the four shooting, and we photographed it on sound film. Crandall, the redhead, was the one who shot the two police officers, but he was only the lookout for the liquor store killing, which explains why the girl witness didn't see him in the store. Stuba and Alonzo were the ones who pulled that job, and Alonzo, the worst of the bunch, was the one who put the thirty-two twenty against the spine of the wounded clerk. The three of them took turns at shooting the cab drivers and robbing them. That accounted for the mixed-up descriptions, including all that left-handed business. Two of the three suspects happened to be left-handed. Well, that was the crop. Crandall Alonzo Stupid. Four shootings, three robberies, four attempted murders, one murder. The three men were tried and convicted. They're all in the state penitentiary. Crandall's there for life. Alonzo and Stuba, they'll be executed next week. File it, will you, Ben? You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. A gang of quick-trigger gunmen have moved in on your city. They've given public notice that they'll kill the first cop who tries to take them. You know the risks, your job. Apprehend the suspect. It was Wednesday, April 17th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My partner's Ben Romero. My name's Friday. I was on the way back to the record bureau. It was four minutes to six when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hey, Ben, I pulled the package on the Raymond killing. And that proves you can still read, Friday. He said it, Joe. Your pal, Fred Lynch. Hiya, Fred. What's doing? Busy and you are. We know what we're looking for. Just having a little trouble finding them. That's the way it is with automobiles. They misplace so easy. Not normally they don't. We've got a small-size epidemic on our hands. Well, don't let us keep you, Fred. Just ducked in here for a breath of calm air and to invite you to dinner for the last time. The wife and I are still waiting for the first time. How about it, Joe? Ruth's got a new pressure cooker. Your uh, sister-in-law visiting you again? Huh? No, on the level. Not selling a thing. Come on. Who is it this time? My cousin. But she's awfully pretty, Joe. Well, why do you guys insist on trying to marry me off? Me and Fred went down fighting, but it kind of grows on you after a while. Now, tell me, what is it about a married man? Just can't stand to see one single man left in the world. How about it, Joe? Tomorrow night at 7, okay? Okay, tell Ruth I'll be there. It figures that he's got to run out of kinfolks pretty soon. Fine, we'll be expecting you. Got a stakeout tonight, but tomorrow I'll be clear. Anything, Ben? Nothing definite, Ben, just to follow up on those stolen cars. See you, man. So long, Lindsay. Joe, you'll like my cousin. Oh, never say die. What a character. Mm. You just catnip the women, Joe. Yeah. Well, here's that Raymond package. Let's check those dates that Backstrand wanted, huh? Wednesday, April 17th was just routine. A dinner date I tried to get out of, some paperwork that the chief wanted done, and a hot, sticky day. Too hot to wear a suit of clothes. Sometimes it's like that. The day starts out being routine. By the time it comes of age, it's got a personality all its own. At 10.23 that night, Ben and I were just finishing up the paperwork, and Ed Backstrand opened his office door. Friday, Romero just got a hot shot call. What's that, Giver? Hold up and shooting at Hooper and Esperanza, code three. Code 
three. That means red light and siren. It was 10.32 when Ben and I pulled up at the corner of Hooper and Esperanza. It was a bar in the basement of a building on the south side of the street. A radio car was there, and the two officers were holding the crowd back. A man was talking to one of the officers who turned and pointed to us. As Ben and I got out of our car, the man hurried over to us. You're the detectives? That's right, Sergeant Friday. My name's Cummings, R.L. Cummings. I own the bar. This is terrible. There was a gunfight downstairs. Uh Uh-huh. Come on. Where's the ambulance? One of the officers in the radio car said we needed the coroner. Did you see the actual shooting? No, I didn't. Here's the fellow that was shot. Oh, that's Jones from the crime lab. Hello, Friday. Romero? Hi, Lee. What do we got here? Pretty bad. Looks like a shotgun. Close range. Mm, He really got in the way of it. Ben. Yeah. It's Fred Lindsay. Motor theft. It was on a stakeout, Lee. Tell us about it, Mr. Cummins. You know this fellow, Sergeant? Yeah, we know him. What happened? We had a hold-up tonight. Three men. Yes, go on. Well, uh, business was good, real good. We had a large crowd, and I was happy about that because I've been trying to sell out for a long time now. I've been showing the place to different parties all week long. I had a fellow coming over tonight to take a look at it. What time was that? A little less than an hour ago, about 9.30. I see. Go ahead. It was almost time for this man to show up, so I called Eddie's, asked my bartender, and... I told him to kind of keep a lookout for the man because I was going back to the office to get the books ready to show. You know how it is when you want to sell a business. You'll watch for him, Eddie. You bet I will. You want me, I'll be back in the office. Keep your mouth shut and stand still. Huh? You own this bar, don't you? Well, yes. What is this? You're the boy we want to see. Which one of you? All three of us. What's going on? What's it look like, genius? It's a stick-up. I haven't any money. You go to the bank on Thursdays, don't you? Well, I, I made my deposit today instead. I've been watching you for a month now. Don't give a chance. You go to the bank on Thursdays. Now, come on, hand it over. I'm telling you the truth. I, I usually go on Thursdays, but I, I went today instead. You're lying, Ace, and we ain't got much time. Look, you can have all the money I've got on me. I think it's about 200 But that's all I have. Here. Why argue with him? Take what he's got and we'll shake the customers down. No, no, please don't do that. You got my money. Isn't that enough? No, it ain't. Come on, let's go outside. That's about all I remember, Sergeant. When I come around, I, I was lying on the floor of my office. You better have somebody take a look at that cut on your face. Yeah, I'm going to right away. There's my bartender. He saw the fight. What's his name, Eddie? Yeah. Eddie. Yes, sir? These men are detectives, Eddie. Will you, will you tell them what you saw? No, it was pretty rough. And tell us what happened when they started to shoot. That fellow the coroner just took out of here. Sure was long on nerve. Took on all three of them, single-handed. Uh-huh. Tell us what you saw. You ought to get that fellow's name. Sure had a lot of nerve. Took over just like he was a cop. He was a cop. Now, what did you see? I pegged him for a cop. Well, he was sitting up at the bar. Been nursing a bottle of beer for about an hour. I was keeping an eye on the front door, watching for this fellow the boss wanted to see. So I didn't see the three hold-up men come through from the back. But I heard him. All right, let's knock it off. You can all see this shotgun. Anybody make a move and I'll blow your head off. He must cover the front door. Got it. Tickle, shake him down. Okay, Jack. You guys in the band keep that music going. The rest of you people turn around and face the bar. Put your hands on top of the bar and leave them there till we tell you to move. Come on, hurry up. I'll get off. Okay, Tickle. We'll take your money. Your watch is anything else you got. Now, don't try to be cute and hold out. All right, you. Take off the watch. I'll get your bill for You, lady, let's have the race. This man they called Tickle went right down the line. Took everything he could lay his hands on. Uh, this cop, your friend, was facing me at the far end of the bar. He was standing there just like the others. He kind of leaned toward me a little. 
Can you see the guy with the shotgun? Yeah. Where is he? Enter the room. The other guy still at the door? Yeah. Got his gun out? Holding it in his right hand. How far down the line is the other guy? About ten people away. Hey, you two down at the end there. Knock it off. Hurry up, Sickle. Doing the best I can. Come on, let's have the first lady. You, next to lady, you get the watch off. I'll take the floor. How far away now? Getting closer. We better set up like he says. I'm going to take the one with the shotgun first. Oh, he's a piece of... I got a gun. How far away is that guy now? I thought Jan told you two to shut up. All right, Sickle, try to move and I'll break your back. Let me go. Go ahead and shoot, Jans. Get away from Sickle. All you people at the bar, down on the floor. Okay, you with that shotgun. Grab it. Demons, can you get a shot at him? Now without hitting Sickle. Come on, you. I'm waiting. You got us all wrong, boy. We like Sickle, but not that much. The cop was holding Sickle as a shield. When the big guy let go with a shotgun, both the cop and Sickle ducked. The cop didn't get hit. This man Sickle fell over on his face and grabbed at his arm. The man with the shotgun went down on one knee, holding his stomach. The man at the door took a shot at the cop, but he missed. Then the cop fired three shots at the man by the door. Looked like the first two missed. But the last one caught the man in the leg and he went down. Well, by this time, the big guy with the shotgun had recovered enough to hold his weapon again. I tried to warn the cop. The guy out, the guy with the shotgun! I see him! Cop pointed his gun and pulled the trigger, but he was out of shell. Boy, Sergeant, my stomach knotted up when I heard that hammer fall against those empty chambers. The cop threw his gun at the guy with the shotgun and then ran right at him. You know, it was just as if that cop was trying to run right down the barrel of that shotgun. I glanced at the cop on the floor, then I tried to follow the three of them as they made their way out of the bar. They jumped into a car out front and drove off. As a Kid, I used to watch Bill Hart take on a whole gang in the movies. But this way, right in front of my eyes, Sergeant, he was an awful brave guy. Did you get the license number of their car? No, I didn't. I couldn't see very well. You got a pretty good look at all three of the men, though, didn't you? I believe I'd recognize any of them. Thanks, Eddie. What's your last name? Uh, Bowers. Eddie Bowers. Got that, Ben? Yeah. You'll be hearing from us, Eddie. We may want you to look at some pictures for us. Glad to help any way I can, Sergeant. I hope you get the men that shot this cop. You're sure going to try, aren't you? Yeah, Eddie. We're sure going to try. The next step was for Ben and I to make a complete report to Chief Ed Backstrand. They got Lindsay, huh? That Fred Lindsay an auto theft? Yeah, that's right. Good cut. You say he wounded two out of the three in that holdup? Yeah. That means they'll have to have medical attention in a hurry. We'll check all the small hospitals, cover all the drugstores to get in line on anyone who's bought medical supplies in the last hour. Uh Uh-huh. As soon as medical detail notifies Ms. Lindsay, I'd like to go over and see her. Missing the medical details out there now. By the time you get back, we may have a flash in the drugstores or hospital. We'll be back in 30 minutes. Call them when you get out there. Right, Ed. You might carry this with you. Yeah. I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach about this thing. I want you to get those two bit punks. I don't want them to see another sunrise. Got that, haven't you? Yeah, Ed. Let's go, Ben. Chandler? Yes, sir. Put out an APB. Have communications broadcast the descriptions of these suspects every 30 minutes from further notice. Hello, Joe. Come in. Thanks, Ruth. Sit down. Ruth, you know how we all feel. It's all right, Joe. You're married to a cop, I guess you're meant to expect things like this. He'll like that. 
Fred and I used to discuss the possibility of this. Used to worry about him. Used to worry a lot, Joe. All those nights when he was away and days. Used to worry. Now I know he's safe. Anything you want or you need? Thanks, no, Jim. Anything at all that I can do? Yes, you are. Think there's something you can do? You and Ben are assigned to this case, aren't you? That's right. Then be careful. Thinking that you and Ben will have to face those killers. Ben's wife. Be careful, Joe. Yeah, Ruth, we will. I want to see you get the men that did this to Fred. More than anything, I want that. No more heartaches. Yeah. Thanks for coming by, Joe. How'd you take it, Joe? Let's go. Joe. Joe, how'd you take it? You're married, Ben. You figure it. It was 11.30 when we got back to Central Division. As we walked into the squad room, Backstrand was waiting for us. Friday, we just got our first lead. We've located a druggist who said he sold some medical supplies to a man about 45 minutes ago. There's the address. Pretty close to the scene of the shooting. I thought to see him right away. The Rex Pharmacy was exactly 14 blocks from the Red Feather Bar where the shooting took place. Rex Pharmacy was like your corner drugstore, complete with apothecary jars and shower curtains. The druggist was the same little man who has been prescribing sulfur and molasses since you were a kid in school. Just about ready to close. What can I do for you, gentlemen? We're from the police department. Oh, I've been halfway expecting you fellows. We got a report that you sold some medical supplies to a man about an hour ago. Yes, sir, that's right. It's like I was telling those other officers that were here a while ago. There was something funny about that little fellow. How do you mean? Well, for one thing, he came in here sweating quite a bit. Of course, it's a warm night, but he seemed terribly nervous. Anybody with him? No, he was all by himself. What did he buy? Well, it wasn't so much what he bought, but how much? What do you mean? You know how most people buy iodine, a little ten-cent bottle. He bought a couple of pints. Then there was all that gauze and adhesive tape. Bought enough to repair a small army. Cotton, box of swab. Then he asked me something that made me wonder. What was that? Asked me if I had something to probe with. That's just the way he said it. Something to probe with. I asked him, oh, what do you want to probe for? What did he say? Said a splinter. I told him a sewing needle would do the trick. He said forget it, and then he paid me and walked out. Uh-huh. Did you describe the man? Uh-huh. He's a small man, dark. Like I said, awful nervous. You think you could identify him? Oh, sure I could. If I ever saw him again. What did he leave on foot, or was there a car outside? Uh, left in a cab, parked right out in front. Couldn't miss it. Uh, did you happen to take down the license number? Well, no, I didn't. But I did jot down the taxi cab number. Would that help? Taking down cab numbers isn't exactly in a druggist's line, but because he had the presence of mind to do that one small thing, we accomplished in ten minutes what could have well taken as many weeks. Maybe with this small wedge, we could do what Backstrand wanted us to do. Get the killers before another sunrise. Well, it was close to midnight when we stepped into the drugstore phone booth. I called the cab company, got the night supervisor. I gave him the number of the cab, and he checked his location chart. Cab 375 was operating out of a stand at Wilshire and Greenhaven. It was the right driver, and he remembered the fare. Sure, I know what you mean. A little guy seemed in a big hurry. 
It was a long fare, though. I took him out to Inglewood. Uh, wait till I check my look. See, I'll give you a jack thing. Here it is, Joe. 1523 Imperials. In the room in half. Yeah, come on. We'll check with the landlady. Kind of late, Joe. Yeah. Let's stand away from the door, huh? Might not be the landlady who answered. Yes, what do you want? Police department. Oh, well, just a minute. Let me see your badge. There you are, ma'am. I'm Sergeant Friday. This is Romero. Homicide. All right. What do you want? I run a good, clean room and house. It's here. not the house, lady. It's one of your tenants. Which one? That's what we want you to help us on. Look, do you men know what time it is? Come back here in the morning. Sorry, this can't wait till morning. But I'm not going to invite you in. We'll talk right here on the porch and keep your voices down. My tenants work during the day. Whatever you say, ma'am. Now, what is it you want to know? We're looking for a small, dark man. Well, I got three here. Could fit that description. No, he came in late tonight, about 45 minutes ago. I wouldn't know about that. I don't spy on my people. This is very important. You'll have to keep your voices down. Sorry. He's dark and he's small. No, I didn't just say he was dark. He must mean Mr. Tendall. What's he done? What's his room number? Room 10, but I can't allow you to tramp up and down the stairs. At this hour, you'll wake all my rumors. We'll be as quiet as he wants us to be. What do you mean by that? There going to be trouble? I don't know, lady. Uh, where do we find number 10? The end of the hall, last room on the right, and keep your voices down. If you'll just wait in your room, lady, we'll call you for one. Okay, here we are. I keep the door clear, Ben. We might have trouble. Think they all in there? We'll know in a minute. Who is it? What do you want? Police department. I'll try this closet, Joe. What do you want with me? What are you looking for? Closet's empty. What'd you say your name was? Tendo. Bob Tendo. New name, but same face, huh, Joe? Yeah. How long have you been out of jail, Tenny? My name ain't Tenny. It's Tendo. Your name's not Tendall. It's Sam Tenny. We sent you up on a robbery charge four years ago. Now, isn't that right, Tenny? No, it's not right. You got the wrong man. I've never been in jail. Yes, you have, because we sent you there. Now, come on. Who'd you buy the medical supplies for? I don't know what you're talking about. Look, Timmy, it's a hot night and it's late, so let's cut out the smart talk, huh? Who'd you buy those medical supplies for? Timmy, look, you're a two-time loser right now. Who are you shielding? You got nothing on me. I ain't done a thing. We can prove that you bought those supplies tonight, and it can go kind of hard on you. So let's open up. I haven't been out of this room all that long. We got a druggist and a cab driver who will make a liar out of you. I still don't know a thing. That cab driver hauled you home here 45 minutes ago. Where were you? I was out on a date. Is that who you bought the medicine for? Ben, call the druggist and get that cab driver. We'll take Kenny downtown. All right, all right. All I did was buy the bandages and stuff. I got nothing else to do with it. Who'd you buy the stuff for? Now, you know everything else. You'll figure it out. Now, look, punk. We know there were three of them. One of them killed a cop. We're going to get to them, and Kenny, you're not going to stand in our way. They killed somebody. They didn't tell me that. Who didn't tell you? I don't want any part of murder. I'm going to tell you who it was, but I'm clean. I got nothing to do with it. I was trying to help him out of a jam. Who were you trying to help? It was Roy Bemis, Charlie Sickle, and Red Jans. They didn't tell me nothing about murder. Well, why'd you help? They often be pretty good piece of chase to run an errand for me. You, you know, I got paid for. That's that's all I had to do with it. Where did you deliver those medical supplies? I have to tell you that. I'm afraid of Jans. He's awful free with that shotgun. We'll give you protection. Now, where are they? Can I go to jail till you get him? You'll get protection. Give us the address. It's an apartment house. It's around the corner from here. The Blue Eagle. 
We took Sam Tenney down to Central Division with us. On the way downtown, he told us that Red Jance and the other two had their room at the Blue Eagle barricaded. Tenney said that they told him that they'd kill the first cop who tried to take him. But we knew they were wounded. He told us that Sickle had an arm wound, Bemis got it in the leg, and Jance had a slug in his side. We figured they'd be weak from the loss of blood, and we could take them easy. You'll never take those guys easy. Sure, they lost a little blood, but they had enough fight left to stack that room. And they got enough left to kill you if you try to take them. On the way to headquarters, we stopped at an all-night drive-in and called Ed Backstrand. We told him we had a radio car watching the Blue Eagle. We gave him the whole story and told him we were on our way in. By the time we checked into Homicide, Ed had the plan all mapped out. It was 2.25 a.m. Here's the map from the city engineers. It's one city block bounded on the north by Hawthorne Street, on the south Lawndale Avenue, on the east 16th Street, and to the west 17th. The Blue Eagle apartment house is right here, on 15th and Hawthorne. West of the Blue Eagle is a private residence. South of the Blue Eagle on 16th is a vacant lot. There are 12 apartments in the building. The men we want are on the second floor, number 11. And that apartment faces east on 16th. How do you want to handle it, Ed? And Baker and Moorheim will evacuate the private residence. Friday, your new mayor will clean out the apartment building. Right, Skim. All traffic is being diverted. The entire block is completely isolated. We'll throw up a cordon. Since we cleared the residence, nobody goes in, nobody goes out. Will you brief us again when we get there, Ed? I'll give you all the briefing you need right now. Get this. These guys have already killed a cop. I don't want to lose any more. You know they're heavily armed and they're desperate. Have the men draw shotguns, tear gas, and tommy guns. I'll take care of that, Skim. All right. Now, we're not going in after these punks like tin horn heroes. We're going after them, and we're coming out alive. All of us. What time is it, Brady? 2.37. Not much time till sun up, is it? It was a code two. That means red light and move fast. Backstrand figured we needed six squad cars, four men to a car, the police public address truck, ambulance and floodlights. Ben checked out the weapons to the men, and by 2.46, we pulled out of the Central Division garage. We slid into the area at 3.20 a.m. The six squad cars and the public address truck took up their positions. The floodlights were rigged and ready to turn on at Backstrand's command. The machinery was set to roll as soon as we got the neighborhood cleared. Ben and I evacuated the Blue Eagle apartment house. How many does that make, Joe? Well, we've cleared nine. Two to go. Here's apartment ten. Killers are right next door. Joe, I'd like to kick that door in right now. Take your time, Ben. We'll get to him. Quiet now. Hey, what is it? Police department. May we come in? Yeah, of course. What's the trouble? No trouble. We're evacuating the building. Now, we'll have to ask you to leave by the back door. We'll notify you when to return. Please leave quietly and lock your door. What's going on? No time to explain. Thank you very much for your cooperation. Okay, now, we'll skip 11 and go to 12. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Police department, can we come in? Sorry to disturb you this hour. We're evacuating the building. Please hurry and leave quietly by the back door. You'll be notified when to return. Lock your door when you leave, thanks. It was 4.10 a.m. Everything was set now. The neighborhood was completely cleared. The entire block was empty except for apartment 11 on the second floor of the Blue Eagle. I left Ben to watch the door of apartment 11. I went downstairs and across the street to join the rest of the men. It was Ed Backstrand's show from here on. That's it, Ed. All set. Baker, Morheim, 
All clear? All clear, Chief. Baker, you and Morheim take three men and cover the rear of the building. Right. Is that detail covered Hawthorne Street? They're all set in. How about the vacant lot? Taken care of. The rest of you men? Friday and I are going into the building. We'll try to get him to come out now. Uh, Johnson. Yes, sir? Come with us and keep us covered. Let's go. Apartment 11's up at the head of the stairs, Ed. Right. Any action, Romero? Not a thing, Skipper. Keep down, all of you. I'll try to get him out. Jance, Bemis, Dickles. You're all alone. The building's clear. Come on out with your hands behind your head. Come on out, Chance, or we'll come in and get you. You hear me? Hey, here he is. Come on, let's get out to the street. Johnson, cover that door and be careful. Keep down. Friday, Romero, come with me. We left Sergeant Johnson to watch the door, and we ran out on the 16th Street and ducked down behind the police sound truck. The floodlights hit the side of the building. Backstrand grabbed the microphone. Chance, Bemis, Sigel. You've got 30 seconds to come down into that room. Walk out backwards with your hands behind your head. Stay together. Don't fire out. 30 seconds, chance. They're making it tough, Ed. Romero, lob some tear gas through that window. Right, Skipper. Come on out, Bemis. We're giving you a chance. That's more than you gave that cop in the bar. Come on out. That's Jance, Ed. He isn't coming out. They must have got Johnson because he's in another room. Shoot the gas in there. That's not going to get him out, Ed. Give it time, Freddy. Find those floodlights in up there. Freddy, rake that second floor with the county gun. Let's keep them in one room. Right. Hold your fire, Freddy. George, give us a couple of masks. Ben and I are going in. The rest of you men, concentrate your fire on those two rooms. Hit them down. Here's your mask, Joe. Let's go. Put that mask on, Ben, and keep down. Yeah, wait a minute. There's somebody coming down the inside there. Duck, Ben. He's got a gun. I got one, Copper. Get out of my way. Stop it, you. You haven't got a chance. I'm coming through, Copper. Think I stopped him, Joe. Can you see Johnson? No, it's too much gas in there. All right, you two up there. We got one of you. The other two, come on out. Joe, think we got him? I don't know. Can you see Johnson? No, Joe, it's still too thick in there. I'm going in, Ben. Cover me. Come on. We know there are two of you up there. <laughs> Just one, copper. Throw your gun down the stairs ahead of you. Hurry up. Shotgun, Joe. Jance. I see him. I'll take him at the foot of the stairs. All right, I got my hands up. I found Johnson, Ben. All right, Jance, outside. Come on, move. Put the handcuffs on him, Ben. I'll cover you. How's John? I don't know. Ed, get the ambulance crew over here. Jance, who's this other guy we got? Bemis. How about Sickle? I said just one, didn't I, copper? Never mind the smart talk, Jance. Now just answer the question, huh? Sickle wanted out of it a long time ago, so I let him out. He's upstairs. I let him out the back way. Then you shot him? He wanted out, didn't he? All right, we'll take him in. Johnson's in the ambulance. Uh, I'll see you in the office. Right, Skipper. How about a smoke, huh? No. Yeah. There you go. Backstrand said he didn't want those men to see another sunrise. Yeah. 
five minutes to five, John. Son ought to be up. Yeah. But look, man. It's cloudy. Guess we'll never know, huh? The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Edgar Red Jens, the sole survivor, was tried and convicted and sentenced to be put to death in the state penitentiary in the manner prescribed by law.